Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Our scripture reading for this morning comes from the book of Luke, chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. Now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I want to thank Sharon Seeley and Constant Nelson for their leadership this morning in worship as we celebrate the 150th year of United Methodist Women. As we heard earlier, United Methodist Women started in 1869, and it started at a time when many women and children around the world were classified as chattel or legally dead or non-persons. And this agency or this ministry has helped women and children for 150 years fight against prejudice and limitations that result in our culture. And there is much work to be done, so I am thankful for the 800,000 United Methodist women around the world that strive to be in mission with and for us. Friends, may we go to God in prayer. Almighty and loving God, May the words of my mouth and may the meditations of all of our hearts gathered here in this space, may they be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. A couple of years ago on a spring morning, much like this morning, way before the sun was up, I found myself headed to downtown Winston-Salem. I was still in a morning fog, not quite awake. A lot of crispy still hanging out in my eyes, not able to really see where I was going, nor was I really paying that much attention. When I leave my house, I have several choices for coming downtown. Typically, because I'm a creature of habit, I will drive down Renolda Road to make my way here. But for some reason on this particular morning, I decided to go a different way. 
I chose to come to downtown via Rinalda Road. I decided to, I mean, excuse me, Robin Hood Road. So when I took Robin Hood Road instead of Rinaldo, keep in mind, my mind is groggy. I'm operating on autopilot. None of you ever do this, right? You get behind the wheel. You always have clear conscience and ready to drive. But here I am, groggy, making my way to downtown. And you know that Robin Hood Road tees on to Rinalda, right down below the church, right down the hill from here, right in front of the Cross North School and Children's Home farm. And it was there as I slowed down to meet Rinalda Road, I slowed down just slow enough to look to see that there was no oncoming traffic. And so I made the right hand turn towards the church. After driving no less than 100 yards, I glanced in my rear view mirror and noticed that a Winston-Salem police car was behind me. And then I saw the blue lights and heard the siren. Keep in mind, I'm groggy and half awake. So I made the assumption that there must be some type of emergency that this police car needs to get to quickly. So I'll just pull over and get out of its way. Imagine how surprised I was when the police car pulled behind me and stopped. So needless to say, I had received a huge, big dose of adrenaline, and now a fresh blood supply had reached my brain, so I was now wide awake, no longer running on autopilot. My eyes widened, much like a horse who has been spooked. And as I rolled down my car window and looked over my left shoulder without turning my head in the same wide-eyed horse look that a horse might give the jockey on its back, I anticipated the quintessential question from the police officer. Sir, do you know why I pulled you over? I really had no idea. No, I sure don't, was my reply. So then he said, when you approached Renolda Road from Robin Hood, you failed to come to a complete stop at the stop sign. So here I am loaded with adrenaline and fresh blood in the brain. I felt empowered to argue. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought that was a yield sign. No, it's a stop sign. So I thought I would test my luck, sort of hoping that there would be some miracle that maybe recently at that particular intersection, the sign had been changed from a yield sign to a stop sign. And maybe if I reminded the officer of that, he would extend a little mercy to me and let me off with just a warning and we could both get about our day. But I think when I made the statement, I either sounded a little arrogant or I sounded like a smart aleck because when it came out, I said, well, the sign just changed from a yield sign to a stop sign, right? I think my fate was sealed. <laughs> the officer said, no, sir. At Robin Hood Road in Renolda, there has always been a stop sign. So friends, I have repented of my wanton ways and I have now decided that when I come to downtown Winston-Salem, I will no longer drive on Robin Hood Road <laughs> as to not be tempted 
to yield instead of stop at that particular intersection. This morning, we continue on our Lenten journey, All Roads Do Lead to the Cross. And our sermon title is Yield. So what might yield mean for us as we make our way towards Easter? On the physical roads we travel, a yield sign is also known as a give way sign that indicates that each driver must prepare to stop if necessary to let another driver on another approach proceed ahead. And a driver who stops or slows down to let another vehicle through has yielded the right of way to that vehicle. But I want us to consider some other definitions of the word yield that have little to do with driving. A dictionary definition of the word yield means to produce or provide, like a plant that produces fruit. So we might say that a corn stalk yields two ears of corn. Or maybe another dictionary definition of the word yield that means to give way to arguments, demands, or pressure. We know many of the synonyms to yield, which are to accede to, to submit to, to bow down to, to comply with, to conform to, or to be guided by, just to name a few. So this morning, might we consider the word yield for our Lenten journey and perhaps consider the call of Christ on our lives? Christ calls us to yield our lives to him so that our lives might yield much fruit for the kingdom of heaven. Let us turn to our scripture lesson and unpack this a little more. It appears in the passage that we heard read just moments ago that there were some concerned folk who went to Jesus to tell him about some of the Galileans who were killed by Pilate while worshiping at the temple. The blood of the Galileans were mixed with the blood of their animal sacrifices. But they came to Jesus to talk about this because the common thought of the time was that when a tragedy like that happened, it came from the hand of an angry God who was punishing the people for their sin. It was believed that it was God who caused the calamity or the tragedy and ultimately the suffering. And Jesus questioned the people gathered before him, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? Or in other words, do you think they were punished by God because they were worse sinners than you? Jesus says, no, but unless you repent, you all will perish. Then he gives them another example of another tragedy where 18 people died in Siloam because a tower fell on them. And he asks the question, were they more guilty than the people of Jerusalem? And again, he says, no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Now, we have to be careful as we interpret what Jesus is trying to say, because while God doesn't use suffering as a form of punishment for sin, sin still has consequences for our lives. There are bad behaviors that contribute to much of the misery in the world. But Jesus is not saying that the cause of suffering is God's punishment upon sinners. And he tells the ones gathered before him to repent or to perish. 
I think preachers do a really bad job at trying to explain repentance, and I'm one of them. I'll be first to admit it. We over-explain it and try to over-define it to the point that it loses its meaning. The imperative to repent becomes very less interesting and less attractive when we mistake it to mean changes to our behavior or a stricter adherence to a moral code for living. And I'm sure many of us in this room have heard this phrase, well, repentance is simply a 180-degree turnaround towards God. But I dare say that that saying is almost trite or cliché. So this morning, let us consider repentance another way. Jesus was calling the people gathered before him, and I believe Jesus is calling us to understand repentance to mean a changed mind, to have a new way of seeing things, to adopt a different perspective. And when he says, if you don't repent, you, be, you will perish, might Jesus just be speaking of the spiritual death that we suffer when we have bad ways of thinking about God, ways that cause harm to ourselves or harm to others? So I believe, friends, that Jesus wants us to change our way in thinking about God not to think of God as one who punishes us for our sin by making us suffer tragedies and calamities, but rather Jesus wants us to see our God as one who neither delights in the suffering of his children regardless of how guilty they might be. May we consider the parable that Jesus told one more time, and I would like to read it again. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now I've been coming back to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not cut it down. At first glance, we might read this parable and think that God is the one, is the landowner, that the landowner represents God. He is angry because the fig tree won't produce any fruit, and God wants the tree cut down, removed from the vineyard. It's tempting to read the parable this way, and also it's tempting to read this parable and see that Jesus might be the caretaker who steps in to appease God and tries to protect the tree from God's divine wrath and from the swing of an axe. But I wonder, in Jesus' teaching of this parable, if he is trying to teach us to change our perspective and consider that the landowner in the story is all of humanity. It is us who represent a worldview of how things should work, that things should be fair, and fair being defined as receiving rewards for doing good and receiving punishment for doing evil especially when we consider the mistakes of others. How easy is it for humankind to cast judgment on one another? So perhaps the gardener in this story, the one who steps in to save the tree, is God. 
And God is saying to us, the ultimate answer to sin isn't punishment, but rather mercy and reconciliation and new life. Might the gardener in the story be the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit who works in concert so that we might be supplied with God's divine grace in all aspects of our lives so that when we are lost in our misunderstandings and misinterpretations and as we approach each intersection along the road to the cross of Calvary, when we get confused about signage, should we stop or should we yield? The truth is it doesn't matter because if we yield to God, our life is guided by God's almighty hand and grace upon grace is showered upon us and that grace my friends leads us home in chapter 9 of Luke verse 51 we read when the days drew for him to be taken up he set his face to go to Jerusalem Jesus in that passage began the journey to the cross one traditional view of the cross is that God had to punish sin And so Jesus was punished in our place. Might I suggest though that we repent from that way of thinking and consider the cross to be less about punishment and instead consider the cross to be about love. Instead of considering God's answer to to sin to be punishment, may we repent and consider God's answer to sin to be love because the God I read about in the scriptures promises to redeem all things and to make all things new. In Revelation 21, we read these words, they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He, being Jesus, was seated on the throne and said, I am making everything new. I believe we are called to yield our hearts to God. We are called to turn from destructive thought patterns and destructive habits that cause harm and cause death, both physical and spiritual. We are called to welcome and receive God's divine grace so that everything we need and have, we are able to yield the fruit of love. And that love, my friends, calls us to be generous to all who suffer in the world. Love calls us to truly mean it when we say all persons are of sacred worth. And as we journey through this season of Lent, let us follow Jesus Christ to the cross. Let us yield our lives to Christ that we might yield the fruit of love for God and all of God's children so that one day all of us will join together in singing through many dangers, toils, and snares. I have already come. His grace has brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.